Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Hey, Renaissance Church, family, friends, thank you for joining us today here on the live stream. Uh, I'm teaching on something today that I've not taught on before here at Renaissance, and so I'm excited to do that. And what I want to talk to us today about is spiritual authority, spiritual authority. We're in a series right now called Stronger, and we believe that this is the summer of Stronger, that in a time when it feels like we could be weakened by everything that's going on in our world, that actually God wants to strengthen us. And today I want to show you a particular strength that he's already given you if you are a follower of Jesus, if if you're a believer in him. And it's our spiritual authority. Now, I know some of you are getting a little uncomfortable as I even use the term spiritual authority. Uh, Some of you might be uncomfortable with the spiritual part, right? I I remember when I first came to uh, believe in Christ, I was a young man. I was a senior in high school, and I knew that Jesus died on a cross for me and that he'd risen from the dead and I needed forgiveness. And I knew that there was this kind of void, this emptiness in my life and, and only God could fill that. And so I, I came to him with this basic, basic knowledge. And then I began to kind of understand more in his word. I started going to a Bible study and then I started seeing things about like prophecies and end times and uh, spiritual realm and and angels and demons and signs and wonders. And I was just kind of like, whoa, like like it was overwhelming. And in some ways it created a little bit of fear in me. Kind of like I liked the Jesus, that was Savior and Lord and and, um, kind of could cleanse me and fill my life with purpose and meaning. But when it came to like the spiritual realities of day-to-day life, it made me uncomfortable. And I'm just wondering, maybe there's some people that are like that. Maybe you're like that. When we talk about spiritual authority, that the spiritual part makes you a little uneasy. You know, I think there's this... A worldview that we kind of are steeped in here in in the West that's like a naturalistic or materialistic worldview. And in that worldview, it would say that the only thing that really exists is what we can see or touch or taste or hear or observe scientifically. That's all that there is. It's matter only. It's material. And though we know that there's more to it than that, you know, if you're a spiritual person or a believer in Christ, then you you know that there's more to that, but yet we're still kind of polluted by this uh, cultural residue of naturalism or materialism. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been uh, maybe to like a party or at someone's house and they offer you something that you've never eaten before. And I've had this happen with a cheese. The first time I had a certain kind of cheese that had the wax coating around it. And 
I didn't know that you weren't supposed to eat the wax coating, like that that like ruins the flavor. And so there I was eating this cheese, trying to enjoy it because somebody had offered it to me and thinking like, this is terrible. Well, in the same way, this kind of residue of our culture, of this worldview that kind of rejects the spiritual things is almost like a shell through which we can't really get to the goodness of the word. We, we, we begin to reduce these things that we read in the scripture down to... Uh, superstition, that these were ancient people that didn't understand science and biology and psychology like we do. And so when they begin to talk about, you know, unclean spirits and spiritual realm and, and all these things that they were just trying to, de to describe something that they didn't understand. And yet we begin to miss the truth, the goodness of the word of God. It's like wax coating on the most amazing cheese you've ever had, right? It just keeps, it prevents us from seeing it truly. We have to kind of shed the cultural residue and look again with fresh spiritual eyes. And I hope that the Spirit of God would enable us to do that. The second way that you might be uncomfortable when I talk about spiritual authority is the authority part. And I understand that, right? We, we have seen brutality by authority figures um, in our world. I mean, we've, we've seen that recently here. We uh, have many of you that maybe have been brutalized or you've been demeaned or you've been controlled by authority figures and it has a very negative connotation for you. You don't like authority figures because of what you've experienced. I know some from our church family have even had to flee their home countries because authority in their country, leadership had shifted into more of a radicalized uh, Muslim leadership. And so they had to leave because they could tell that authority was not going to be used in a good way. And I understand that there can be tension in us around Authority, and, I, and I'm just praying, I'm hoping that as we look at what spiritual authority is from the word of God, that God's going to kind of deal with those tensions inside of us. And that he's going to untangle and unpollute this, this understanding for us. And that he's going to fill you with courage to walk in your truest spiritual authority in Jesus. I was thinking this week of Paul in the beginning of Ephesians. He has this beautiful prayer in Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19. And he prays for these, this, this church that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, like that they would see. And he asked that they would see the, the hope of their calling, that they would know the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, like Jesus' inheritance in the people of God. And then he uses this phrase that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And that's what I'm praying for today. 
We're going to look at Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at two verses there, and then we're going to jump to Luke chapter 10. And what we're going to look at are kind of two similar scenarios. The first is when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, and the second is when Jesus sends out the 72 other disciples. So if you have a copy of Scripture there, if you have a device that you like to read the Bible on, turn with me now to Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 1. And I'm just going to read the first two verses before we move to chapter 10. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1, Dr. Luke tells us, Summoning the twelve, he, talking about Jesus, gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now hold that in your mind. Jump with me to um, Luke chapter 10 and let's go to verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Jesus. He's sending out this group of 12 disciples that have been with him. They've been watching him, observing him. And he's going to send them out to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out unclean spirits or demons. Then he does it again in Luke chapter 10 with this wider group of disciples, these 72, and he sends them out in the very same way. And we bump up against this word, authority as we as we look at these passages so from this these passages that we just read i just want to give you a baseline definition of spiritual authority so we know what it is that we're talking about so it's this spiritual authority is the empowerment of christ within every believer to do the work of christ i'll say it again spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ within every believer to do the work of Christ. Now, I just want to kind of break that down and just kind of look at the major components from this passage. First, spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ. Now, in in, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says that Jesus gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Those two words, power and authority. When you look up the word empower in the dictionary, what you're going to find is it says it's to give power and authority to do something. Right? So when we say that spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ, it's that Jesus gave them the power. We saw that again in in chapter 10, where he said that, I have given you authority, right? I've given you authority. 
And so we see these words, power and authority. And the first thing that we have to understand is that Jesus couldn't give the authority if he didn't have the authority. Does that make sense? Jesus couldn't empower them to do something unless he had the ultimate power through which he could empower them. That makes sense logical sense. It's like I couldn't say to you, you are the next president of the United States. And if I did say that to you, I have no authority, no power to actually make that come to be, right? I don't have the power or authority. But yet Jesus, when he empowers them or gives them authority, it demonstrates to us that Jesus first has all power and authority, in Matthew 28, when, when Jesus is resurrected from the dead and he's, he's about to commission his disciples and, and leave the earth, he's going, to, um, he's going to ascend into the heavens, he tells them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he commissions, he sends them out. Jesus has all authority empower and he empowers his disciples this ministry of Jesus that we read about in the gospels i mean if you really read what jesus did it's mind blowing teaching with authority and 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 people that had unclean spirits were are being delivered he's driving them out there's this demoniac that's chained up and the chains couldn't hold them and then jesus sees him and he casts those those unclean spirits out and the man's sitting there in his right mind it's like these amazing miraculous things that happen the the healings we could go on and on about all the healings that jesus performed and he showed us that he actually had the power and authority. You see, the ministry of Jesus showed us that the kingdom of God was breaking into this present age in a new and decisive way. And Jesus takes that authority, that power, and he does something radical. I mean, something unheard of in any world religion out there. He takes that power and authority and he bestows it upon his people. He empowers them. You see, to empower is to entrust someone with the rights, responsibilities, and the resources that they need to lead and function within a particular domain. Right? And I would say this, it comes with um, a share in the rewards. And that's what Jesus does. He empowers his people. Now, this word empowerment, it's kind of a big word right now. It's, it's a buzzword in our, uh, definitely in the business world and probably in lots of other worlds. Because a lot of people are uh, looking at workplace and how do they Uh, manage other people in a workplace, what makes a healthy workplace, and you'll hear the word empowerment a lot. And what you're going to hear contrasted with empowerment is what we call micromanagement. Have you ever been micromanaged before? Have you ever felt that way? And it's when uh, somebody, they tell you that they're giving you a job or a particular domain, 
And then rather than empowering you to do it, they actually follow behind you and nitpick and tell you everything that you're doing wrong or they come back and fix it for you or, or something like that. It's the thing about micromanagement is that it's fear-based, right? You're, if you're a person who's micromanaging, you're trying to get control over somebody or over a, a, a process. And so you are micromanaging that person just to make sure it's done exactly like you want it. And I can't imagine Jesus micromanaging. Like he didn't go behind these uh, disciples that he's sending out two by two and say, ah, you know, Peter, I, I probably wouldn't have said it that way. I think next time you should use the word da-da-da-da-da. Or Thaddeus, hey, um, I saw when you were praying for that guy, your hand was on his lower back. I, I recommend the shoulder blade. Like, put your hand up a little higher next time. Or, or to um, Luke to say, hey, um, a, a little spearmint oil next time when you're praying up close to people. Right? He, he doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't micromanage his disciples. He sends them. He empowers them. He releases them. And that's the nature of of this spiritual authority. It's the empowerment of Christ because empowerment is trust-based. Jesus entrusting his disciples with his ministry. The second part is that this spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ within every believer. Within every believer. I just want you to notice that he does this with the twelve. And then in chapter 10, we saw that he did this with the 72. What we didn't read, but if you were to keep reading into the book of Acts, you'd see that this empowerment went beyond these disciples here that were with Jesus. We, we read about Philip in, in Acts chapter 8, and he's kind of s- scattered because of the persecution in Jerusalem. And so he goes into Samaria, and he just begins to do this work of Jesus. He proclaims the gospel. And then it says that, um, that these evil spirits were coming out of people with loud shrieks, and that people were being healed, like the lame were walking and the blind were seeing. Like They were amazed at the signs and wonders that were coming because we see the spiritual authority was not just for the 12. It wasn't temporary. It wasn't like just for the moment, but it was something that Jesus was giving to the church, to believers, to you, if you're a believer in Jesus. In this amazing act of God, he actually empowers you and me. It's within every believer. And the only way that it could be for every believer is that it's not based on the perfection of the believer. It's not based on how great you are, or how awesome you are, or how much more spiritual you are than someone else, or how less you feel, or how less spiritual you feel. It's not rooted in our performance or our perfection. It's rooted in the very cross of Jesus Christ. You see, the basis of spiritual authority is the cross. We see this so beautifully in Colossians 2, verses 14 through 15. Paul writes, He erased the certificate of debt 
right, with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. He's talking about all of our, our past mistakes, our sins, the way that we have broken God's law, how we've offended him, that whole list of things from our past, the skeletons in the closet, right? He, he took that, he's taking it away by nailing it to the cross. And then get this, in the same act that he forgave us, it says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. You see, the basis for our spiritual authority is not our perfection or our performance. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in the perfection of his sacrifice, the sufficiency of what Jesus has done for you. And you need to hear that as you begin to walk in spiritual authority that is actually meant for you. It's within every believer. The third part, spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ within every believer to do the work of Christ to do the work of Christ. Now, I just want you to let that set for a moment. That God wants you to join him in his work. You know, some of us became believers because uh, we had heard that if we don't, we might go to hell when we die. And we thought, man, I don't want that, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in Jesus. Because we knew that someday we were going to die, and we knew we weren't perfect. And so we wanted to go to heaven. And let me tell you, that's fine. That's a great starting point, in fact. That's fantastic, and it's true. However, did you know that between now and then, Jesus might want to do something with your life? That he actually has something for you to do, and it's the work of Christ. He wants to empower you to do his work. In John eleven forty two, this is the words of Jesus. He says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father Jesus says, look, if you believe in me, you're going to do what I do. You see all these signs and wonders and how I'm proclaiming the truth and, and the ministry that I'm doing here, you're going to do the same thing, but it's going to be greater because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to be advocating for you and there's going to be a bunch of you and you're all going to be about my work. Jesus invites you into his work what is his work? Well, let's look again at these passages. Luke 9, verse 1. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 10, verses 19. Look. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. What is this work of Jesus? Well, if we were to summarize what we just read right there, it's that Jesus gives us spiritual authority to proclaim, to heal, and to liberate. 
to proclaim, to heal, to liberate. He says that he's given them authority over all the demons to heal diseases, to proclaim the truth of the gospel about Jesus Christ and to heal the sick. This is the ministry that Jesus has given to us to proclaim and to heal and to liberate. Spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ within every believer to do the work of Christ. So now that we know what it is, how do we use our spiritual authority properly? I think that's a great question. In fact, next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about spiritual authority because I, I think there are some nuances to what we need to discuss as we look at this. But there are some things that I want us to see in this passage today. The first thing is that we use our spiritual authority boldly. In that verse that we just read in chapter 10, verse 19, he said that he gave them uh, authority over all the power of the enemy and that nothing at all would harm them. In fact, he said that they would trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, some of you are like, what? Like, we have to, like, handle snakes and, and walk on scorpions? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. There are things that, uh, that scare us. Snakes, scorpions, things that cause us physical harm and they scare us. And what he's saying is this, look, you need to understand that this power and authority that I'm giving you is going to empower you against those things that scare you. Now, snakes and scorpions are also um, a, a figurative picture of the, the, the demonic spiritual realm of, of evil, of darkness. And he's saying, look, I've given you power. I've empowered you. I've given you authority over that, which means that we can use our spiritual authority boldly. One of the major tactics of the enemy is intimidation. He's going to make you think, there's no way I can overcome this. There's no way I can get past this thing in my life. There's no way that I can see peace come into my home or into my household. There's no way that my relationship can be repaired with my spouse. There's no way that my family member will ever break free from that addiction or that thing. There's no way, right? And when we face those things, we get intimidated. We get scared, and, and rather than standing and saying, no, 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 I know the spiritual authority that God's given me. We, 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 we listen to the lie of the enemy and we, we begin to back off and to step back. But Jesus, he's really given you power and authority and he wants us to use it boldly. But you also need to hear the second one. We use our spiritual authority Humbly, humbly. You see, in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus told them, right, they're filled with joy. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. The demon submitted to us in the name of Jesus. And he tells them, look, don't rejoice that, you're, that, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written 
in heaven. He's saying, look, don't strut. Don't start thinking you're awesome. Don't, don't get puffed up. And don't, rem, don't, don't begin to think that that power was in you. In fact, you need to just humble yourself and remember that this is not the main thing. The main thing is that my name is written in heaven, that I'm sealed, that I will be with my heavenly Father both now and for all eternity. We have to use spiritual authority with boldness and with humility. We don't strut. We don't get puffed up. Lastly, we use our spiritual authority lovingly. Oh, this is so important. This is so important. Because in a world that sees authority as getting the leg up on somebody, getting the leverage on someone, having an ability to control somebody, we have to go back and understand what authority meant to Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that his authority was never coercive. It was never manipulative or controlling. Like his authority was always, always loving. Jesus, who had all authority in heaven on earth, did things like stoop down and washed his disciples' feet. He said things like, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When his disciples were jockeying for position, he says, look, the Gentiles, they like to lord it over uh, one another, but it's not to be so with you. Right? The greatest among you will be your servant. Do you hear the posture of Jesus when we talk about authority. It was always loving. It was never coercive, never manipulative, never controlling. It was always to serve others and to lift others up. And friends, we must use our spiritual authority lovingly. We're authorized to proclaim the truth, to heal and to liberate and to demonstrate God's heart of love. I uh, remember uh, there was a season where Casey and I had to move in with my mom and dad in Round Rock. I was serving at a church there, and we were fixing up a, a house that had some problems. So we had to move out of it and move into my parents' house. God bless them for letting us move in with our three boys. And uh, we were finishing up that project. The builder was doing his thing. And it came time to move back in. And we had loaded up this uh, big black Suburban that Casey used to drive and haul our kids around in. And so we had all this stuff in the Suburban. And then we just started to freak out because we couldn't find the keys. 
Have you ever been there before? Like you, you can't find something like right when you need it. And so we were freaking out. We couldn't find the keys to the Suburban. We're looking everywhere. I mean, we even called the dealership. We thought they were gone. So we want, called the dealership and we went and I think we paid like $300 to get keys made for this car. And then like a day and a half later, we just happened to pull back a blanket on the guest bed. And we realized, to our shame, we had it all along. We had the keys all along. And I just wonder, as we talk about something like spiritual authority, how many of us have been bumping up against things that have been so frustrating, so intimidating, that that feel like they're just going to undo us, or that feel like they're insurmountable, and then we, we hear something like this, and we just realize, you know, Jesus has actually equipped me. He's equipped. I, I had this all along, and I want you to know that Jesus has given you power and authority, if you believe in him, if you trust him as Savior and Lord, if your life has passed through that cross of Jesus, if if you have laid yourself down before him and said, hey, Lord, I, I surrender to you. I die to myself. Come and live in me. I am yours, your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, if you've made that decision, you, my friend, have spiritual authority. And my call to you today is to receive it. To receive it. To recognize it. To let that rest upon your heart. And to walk in it boldly, humbly, and lovingly because we are the people of Jesus empowered to proclaim his message and to heal and to liberate. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.